A few days ago, I read the following science news. I quote, A giant hole in the atmosphere of the sun, more than five times larger than the diameter of Jupiter, is unleashing a powerful solar wind that's blasting through the solar system. It's called a coronal hole, and it's currently rotating away from Earth. But a few days ago, from its position straddling the equator, it was pointed right at us, directing a, stre a stream of particles in Earth's direction. The result was nothing to be alarmed about, a mild solar storm. But the whole does contribute to a wider pattern of rampant solar shenanigans as we enter solar maximum. The sun has been quite rowdy lately, which is sort of to be expected. So, nothing to be alarmed about, or is it? Indeed, I don't think there's any reason for us to be particularly alarmed. However, we should take this as a necessary and useful reminder of how dependent we are on things we have absolutely no way of influencing. I don't want to get into a climate debate here. I'm just pointing out that while it's certainly important to take care of the environment and avoid destroying it, it's even more important to remember that at some point it's all going to end. And that might means we must find a more solid surface to build on than this little planet on which we race through the, the immeasurable space of the universe. Jesus says in today's Gospel, And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. There are two things I want to highlight here. First, how what happens in heaven affects what happens on earth. There shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. Jesus shows us here that just as we cannot do anything to influence the sun, moon, and stars, so we cannot change what will eventually happen on this earth, whether we like it or not? As I said, it's going to end. This doesn't mean 
that we cannot and should not do anything at all. On the contrary, we must do everything possible to be prepared for what is to come. In order to understand this better, I must point out, secondly, something that unfortunately does not appear in the English translation of the Gospel. Namely, there are two different words in the original Greek, both of which are translated into English as earth. The first of these words is ge in Greek, which can mean, for example, the planet Earth, but also simply the ground or the arable land. This is where words like geography and geology come from, ge in Greek. The second word used here in Greek is oikumene, which means the inhabited earth, and more specifically, the people the men who live on this inhabited earth, the mankind, us. I think that regardless of what anyone thinks about climate change, we can agree that while human activity has an impact on the environment, there is nothing we can do if planet Earth, or even more so the sun, decided to challenge us for real. A major earthquake, a volcanic eruption, a tsunami, all of these are capable of sweeping us away in a matter of seconds. But while we can do nothing to influence the course of the solar system or even the rotation of our own planet, we can do a great deal for what in Greek is called oikumene, the inhabited earth, meaning the mankind and our own humanity. I'm not talking here about signaling our virtues or how being a decent human person could save humanity from destruction. No doubt we must strive to be virtuous and decent people. But as I said before, the end will come anyway. The only really important thing here is to know who it is that can help us when everything else has hopelessly collapsed. Jesus says, when these things begin to come to pass, then look up. And lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. The Greek word, I'm sorry, I'm teaching you too much Greek today. The Greek word translated here as look up, anakypto, actually means something more as just to look up. It means straightening yourself up. Lifting yourself up, not just your face or your head, but yourself. Elevating yourself, both physically and morally. We can say that it means becoming who you really are 
as a human being. In the context of today's gospel, it means also looking honestly into the eyes of your Redeemer. Jesus says that everyone must be ready for this. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. I think many of us, if not all, have been in a situation where they have stood in front of someone who has said to us, look me in the eye. We know what that means. We have done something that is neither good nor worthy of us, and now we must give an account. We would rather look down or away, but certainly not into the eyes of the one to whom we must answer for our actions. What can we do? Can we change our lives and ourselves, improve ourselves, undoubtedly with the help of God's grace? Not only can we do it, we must do it. But no matter how hard we try, and no matter how good we are, when the moment comes when we have to stand before the Son of Man, the situation is still the same. It is difficult for us to lift our heads and look into the eyes of our Lord. Because when we see his glory, it becomes clear clear to us how far we are from it and how much we deserve eternal damnation instead of eternal life. So, what should we do? Should we give up, realizing that just as we cannot influence the course of the sun, moon, stars, or even our own planet, this tiny earth, so we cannot do anything for our own life and future, not to mention eternity. Jesus shows us in the gospel what we must do. But as I said, it is not easy. We have to straighten ourselves up, raise our heads, and look him honestly in the eyes, believing that it is not a merciless judge who is looking at us from there, but a loving Savior. Yes, we stand before him utterly unworthy, We have no hope but his mercy and grace alone. You definitely know these lyrics. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. You know these lyrics, right? But... Do you know who wrote this song? His name was John Newton. And before he became a Christian and an Anglican priest and a slavery abolitionist, 
He was a captain of slave ships and an investor in the slave trade and, maybe most ironically, a tax collector. He had plenty of reason to characterize himself as a wretch, someone who had been blind. In Jesus Christ, God gave him the opportunity to straighten, straighten himself up and raise his eyes to his Savior. God offers this opportunity to all of us. We cannot change the course of the sun, moon, or stars. But God can use them to remind us what is most important. We can change the course of our own lives and eternity if we are willing to trust ourselves to the grace of our loving and merciful Redeemer. In another song, Bob Dylan's Precious Angel, there are words that often come to my mind. Shine your light, shine your light on me. You know, I just couldn't make it by myself. I'm a little too blind to see. I'm sorry I can't say it in Bob Dylan's voice. <laughs> if we understand this, that we are a little too blind to see and know who is the only one who can help us and who really wants to help us to shine his light on us, then we have nothing to fear. Then, no matter what happens around us, we can look up and lift our heads, knowing that our redemption is drawing nigh. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.